Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest team building podcast. <laughs> Don't talk about it, be about it. We are 15 minutes after the hour. I am Jeff Cohn, host of the team building podcast. And we are here today to talk about lead generation. Really exciting topic. I'm going to provide you the 80,000 foot view of lead gen. And then Mr. Andy Cuny himself over the next three weeks is going to take you guys down three main rabbit holes. And we're going to get into what those three main rabbit holes are today. I uh, would like to welcome everyone to the call. A friendly reminder, please include your first name, last name, city, and state. So everybody within the group knows where you are hailing from. Also, if you have a camera and you are willing to share, uh, we would love to see all of your beautiful faces. Thank you, Natasha. We'd love to see all your beautiful faces. It makes it way more fun as a group uh, to be able to interact that way. Um, Definitely, there's a lot more energy there. I got the camera off you. Um, housekeeping items before jumping into topic. Uh, we have a lot of new ERS clients who've come on just in the last week or so from the virtual workshop that went really well. We had over 20 people in attendance. I think almost 10 of those have signed up uh, for ERS coaching. So that's very exciting. Um, as far as a format with ERS, as you already probably know, the first Thursday of every month, I'll kick off a topic the 12 main topics that we think you need to focus on in your business to take your business to the next level. And then Andy will go into the details of that specific topic topic to teach you the how-tos. Mine's more the visionary chat about the topic. Um, just like always with the agent trainings on Mondays and Wednesdays and the team leader trainings on Thursdays and the investor training that we are now offering every Tuesday, all at 1115. Uh, it's 30 minutes of content with 30 minutes of Q&A. So today I'll stick on for an additional 30 minutes um, we'll go until 15 minutes after the next hour. Um, and you guys can ask any questions you want. So if anyone just wants to jump in sometime for Q and a and watch the recording of this later, that's totally fine. We have people sometimes that just watch this content, then they jump out uh, right before the Q and a. And so the reason we did that is that sometimes there's questions asked that the audience doesn't necessarily want to hear answered. So we want to make sure it's content rich for the first 30 minutes. And then the second 30 minutes, we uh, will get into some fun questions and answers. So Clayton, any uh, housekeeping items to remind us about before we get into this topic today? Yeah, so um, as always, uh, we wanna remind you that we do have our, our next workshop coming up on March 21st. That one is slated to be an in-person workshop. So we would love to have you come out to Omaha, Nebraska and uh, experience that workshop. Uh, it is a two-day workshop. You'll have the investing workshop and also the uh, team building workshop uh, will all be uh, produced for that event. And again, that is on March 21st. You can always find those events on our website uh, under the workshop category. And then obviously a little ways down the road, but it's actually screaming in really fast is uh, the team building summit. We'd love to have you come out. I know Jeff has been working extremely hard to get to all the speakers lined up and, and get that agenda put together. It's been a hot uh, discussion in all of our meetings that we've been having. So we're excited to host you and have you come out uh, in May. Uh, we'll be ha uh, hosting that in downtown Omaha. So it's always a great time. And lastly, the last thing, a lot of you, you should have received a survey yesterday 
probably sometime around mid-afternoon. We're always looking to try and make ourselves better and expand and grow and uh, hit the uh, needs of what you guys are looking for. So in that survey that was open and sent out to all the agents and team leaders, we would love to have all of you respond. Uh, if you guys have any interest in an advanced agent mastermind, it would be a monthly mastermind uh, for the advanced agents. Um, and then if there's any suggestions that you would like to see come out of the Monday and Wednesday trainings that we provide to your agents. So please feel free to fill that out and also get your agents to fill that out as well, too. We would super appreciate it. That's all I got, Jeff. Awesome. Andy CUNY hailing from Omaha, Nebraska. What's up, man? You have anything to add to that? Okay. All right, well, you guys. Well, thank you so much for being on time. Uh, really appreciate it. We always will start right at 15 minutes after the hour. Typically, we'll first spend the first five minutes with updates and announcements and then get into content. Um, just kind of piggybacking on Clayton's invitation. If you haven't already been to a team building workshop, you should absolutely come. Um, getting to see our hybrid tech powered office of the future that was built pre COVID-19 slash pandemic that now will serve the vir everything virtual that's necessary to run a successful real estate business as well as all the other parallel businesses. There's a lot of great content you're gonna get out of just coming to Omaha for two days with us. Um, that is set up where one whole day is investor training with Clint Bartlett, who's leading all of our Tuesday investor trainings. The whole day is focused on investing. And then day two, we have our company accountability meeting. Uh, so you'll get to see our brokerage meeting with about 100 people and interact with our agents. And then we have a team building workshop that entire day. So unlike the virtual workshop where it's just one day, you don't get to interact, you don't get to be in the office. Uh, the team building workshop in Omaha gives you a lot of extra stuff. And then the summit is totally different than, the, than a workshop. The idea behind the summit was to bring in keynote speakers that could speak to all of the different changes we're seeing in the industry. Um, we've got, we have um, Gary Boomershine coming from realestateinvestor.com. He's a brilliant man. Uh, he'll do an amazing job on that topic of investing. Clint Bartlett's going to be speaking. Uh, Josh Cunningham with Rockerbox is going to come speak about millennial engagement. Um, I've got Carl Fong from Miami, Florida. He's the COO of the Riley Smith team, number one Berkshire team in Miami. He's coming to talk about mindset. I've got Brian Kraft coming to the team building summit in May again. Uh, Brian's one of the largest expansion agents I know of. They sell hunting tracks and hunting land and farms. Uh, when he came out to our workshop four years ago, we were selling twice as much as him. I think I was at 3 million GCI. He told me this last year, they just did 8 million GCI. So he implemented a lot of the systems that we taught at our workshop and has just exploded um, the land and hunting track industry. Um, and he's gonna get into his whole thing on that. And then we've got a ton of awesome vendors. Dotloop's gonna be there, Wise Hire, they're actually speaking as well. Boomtown, um, Verly, which is our digital marketing company. Of course, ERS will have their booth and a handful of others. So if you guys haven't booked tickets to either of those, please, um, if you feel safe coming, please come. We'd love to have you guys here. If not, uh, this workshop in March will not be virtual. We will have other virtual workshops in the future and the Team Building Summit will have a virtual option. Now, as we all know, um, at events, you have content during the day, but the greatest value to me is the people I meet after hours, going to different masterminds and interacting in between sessions. And we have a lot of really exciting things planned for both the Team Building Workshop in March and the Summit in May, where there's gonna be a ton of interaction um, in the evening. So you definitely want to not miss out. I'd, I'd recommend coming to both, but if you can go to one or the other, pick the one that works best into your guys' schedule. And with that, we're going to get into lead generation. So 
from the beginning, all of us got into the real estate business. This will be a rhetorical question, but kind of a fun one. When you first got into the business, what kind of leads did you think you needed to generate? Or another way I can say that is, what lead source did you assume was gonna make you successful? And then the follow-up rhetorical to that is, today, if you have looked analytically at your last 12 months, what lead source has made you successful? Where have you derived the most profit? What lead source is helping you grow your own personal business if you're still in sales? The second most important question then is, if you're leading a team of agents as a broker owner or a team leader, where is the lead source that's helping them become the most successful? And why I start off to pose this question is because going all the way back to me getting my license in 2006, a lot of people gave me advice of where to generate leads and it was based on their own personal experience. So some people said join mastermind groups, right? Tips groups, business groups. Some people said door knock. Some people said open house. Some people said internet leads. Some people said website leads. Um, some people said work the relocation business. There's rate. There's the ELP uh, division of the Dave Ramsey organization. Um, sky's the limit, right? There's infinite ways to be able to generate leads. And so as a newer agent, you watch all these videos and listen to podcasts and read books and there's so much. And all of us kind of find our niche. And no one really probably helped you find your niche. The thing you discovered that generates over 50% of your revenue is probably where you're spending 70% of your time. And then 30% of your time is going towards everything else. The challenge of building and scaling Joe Seaman is that you have become an expert at doing 200 sides a year. But the brand new agent that just joined your organization has no idea what to do. And I couldn't believe, and I, you know, raise your hand if you're in this camp. I couldn't believe how many people said to me, oh, you just got to tell people you're a real estate agent. You know, just, just talk about it. Just always be talking about it. And I'm 23 years old with $50,000 in student loan debt, living in a studio apartment, needing to pay off my debt, needing to make my monthly payments. And people say, just tell people you're a real estate agent and that's really going to work. So I took the advice. I probably told 10,000 people over the course of a few years on a real estate agent. Um, there was this meme on Facebook once that said, typical real estate agent, it shows a little squirrel and somebody's talking about buying or selling a house and it shows the squirrel like, turn really fast and look all excited. And I know we all are guilty of this at times. And I was guilty of this. I pushed business cards. I door knocked. I did open houses. I did internet lead generation. I took reload leads at a 50% referral fee. Um, I, I masterminded at church. I masterminded at the gym. I constantly asked for leads. I asked for referrals. I asked for people's business. I would talk to people at restaurants. I would talk to people at tables that I didn't even know. I talked to people at bars. I didn't care. And I'm a 99D, 99I, but some people have a, have a hard time doing that, putting themselves in an uncomfortable position of being turned down. And um, there's a lot of other challenges in trying to help other people become like us when we're comfortable going into those roles. So I was successful. A majority of my success came from my sphere of influence. My first year, I did 50 transactions, made $96,000. My second year it grew, third year it grew, and I sold individually for about six years. And in 2011, I was living off of my sphere of influence and it was easy. I was making a 525,000 net, uh, doing about 70 deals a year off of my personal sphere of influence, word of mouth. I wasn't hitting the ground and running like I used to. I was just responding to the business that was now coming to me. And so I know some of us are now in that situation and that's awesome if you wanna sell real estate the rest of your life like most people do. I didn't want my whole life to be selling real estate. I wanted to be able to stop selling 
And that was the main reason in 2011, we didn't name the team the Jeff Cohn team. No offense to all of you that named it after yourselves, you narcissists. I chose to name my team, our tagline, when we were the Cone team, and that was Omaha's elite real estate group with the intent that one day, 20 years down the road, I could step out of the business, no longer have to work in the business of selling. I could work on the business of assisting others in selling. And in comes the importance of lead generation. So right out of the gate in 2011, when we started expanding our team, we added six agents in three months. And everyone that joined the team had to go to a daily one-hour meeting, one-hour huddle. We did a training every day on Boomtown, uh, Mindset. We had a book club. And we hit the ground running with six agents. And the thing I failed in was I was giving people the same answer that everybody gave me when they said, what should I do around lead generation? Oh, you just need to go out there and push business cards and send letters and send emails and do this, that, and the other. And you give them 100 tasks, and then they do none of the tasks. And so new agents, even experienced agents that choose to follow you are going to choose to follow you because you're going to help them down a road that's going to help them make more money in less time with less energy. And so when it comes to Legion, Legion is the lifeblood of every business. doesn't matter the industry you're in. If you can't generate leads, you're dead in the water. So you as a leader, obviously, if you're, in the serv if you're servicing your own leads, you need to generate leads for yourself that are going to be the highest income producing, greatest return on investment. And then if you're helping others create their own leads or you're generating leads for them, you're going to need to make sure that they are in their highest income producing role when they're working those leads. So to save us time, I'm not going to pull up my keynote, but I wanted to speak to my mindset around leads. And some of you may or may not have heard this, but it's my belief that in an agent's first year, if they've never sold or they've only sold a few homes, two, -third of their, two thirds of their deals should come from broker generated leads or team leader generated leads or internet leads. So two thirds of the deals are being handed to them and they're probably paying a hefty referral fee on it. And the other one third would be the other two categories, which is cold prospecting and sphere of influence. Year two, which is typically now, in their first year, most agents do 10 to 12 transactions. Year in most places across the country. Year two, if they're working 30 hours plus a week, you could expect them to double that to about 20 to 24 sides. And those leads are going to come a third from the brokerage generated, a third from their sphere of influence, and a third from their cold prospecting. And year three, which can be 40 sales plus, you're going to typically see an agent that's still in production do two thirds of their deals from their sphere of influence and one third brokerage generated, one third cold leads. And this is not a rhetorical question. I want to pose to the group if you believe what I just said is the truth, seeing that one third, no, sorry, two thirds, you know, um, coming from internet leads. And then it goes a third, a third, and a third, and then two thirds of sphere when you get into your third year or your 50th transaction. Why would that be the dichotomy? Why do you guys think that's kind of the typical um, progression of a real estate agent that's working in production? Anyone want to speak to that? It's a simple answer. LJ is going to take a stab at it. Go ahead, LJ. They start focusing on the leads that pay them the most. So they started making the most amount of time to that. Amen, brother. So not only is it going to be the easiest, the lowest lying fruit is your sphere of influence because you're not going to get rejected nearly as much as an internet lead or a cold prospecting lead. They're typically going to pay more because usually on those internet lead, broker leads, referral leads, whatever they want to call them, there's a heftier referral fee associated with it. So the agents not only start to get smart going, wait a second, if I generate the lead on my own and make twice as much, depending on what your split model is, it's also a lot easier. Everybody wants to work those leads. So who has been in the situation as you've built and scaled your team using more than just sphere leads, 
where you run across another agent that acts like they're too good for internet leads, too good for cold prospecting, too good for open houses, and they'll put their nose in the air and they'll say, I just work my sphere of influence. And you say, congratulations. My follow-up question always was, how many houses did you sell last year using that strategy? Oh, 15 houses, that's adorable. I just sold 475 houses. So I'm not proud of them for that. They're proud of themselves for that. I don't know why. To me, I'm the most impressed when someone sells. I, says I didn't sell a single house. I didn't sell anything, but my team did a thousand sides. That's exciting. That's where I think we all want to go. That's the point of elite real estate systems coaching. I saw Tom Ferry just won another award. He's always winning awards. They do an amazing job. There's a ton of great coaches out there that do an amazing job at teaching agents to be hamsters on hamster wheels. I want all of you off the hamster wheel or at least have the option to get off the hamster wheel. I want all of you to have the ability to be empowered to not have to service these leads, to teach other people to run businesses that are the independent contractors. If you're selling houses, you're no different than the the framer that's swinging a hammer. You do not own a framing crew. You simply have a job on the framing crew and you're managing a bunch of other framers and dealing with their stuff while you're swinging a hammer as well. It's not working smart. It's working hard. And now is the money there? Sure, LJ's point. He's making more money. That's why he's still servicing the leads and buying Ferraris. But what if you could double your team size, make half as much money off each transaction, still have the Ferrari, maybe have a couple of them and not have to go out and service deals any longer? LJ, I'll let you defend yourself on my Ferrari call out because I saw you unmuted yourself. Go ahead. I don't have a Ferrari. Appreciate the oh. call out though. Well I, got, well, I gave you a hypothetical Ferrari, whatever you're buying with your money. All of us have our own thing. All right, well, let's mute you now. So um, the idea then just becomes, okay, if this is true, Jeff's challenging us to stop servicing the deals like I have with Joe in Augusta, Georgia, and said, dude, just double your leads, right? So that's not as easy as easily said, um, done as said. Saying it's easy, actually going and doing it is going to be much harder. And so we became obsessive in learning how to generate leads and learning how to teach agents to generate leads. And what we thought going into it is that all leads were created equal. But we have 10 years now of data. And that's how I knew the progression of an agent going two thirds, one third, one third, one third, and then two thirds in the reverse with sphere of influence. Um, and by the way, we have slides on all this stuff. I just kind of rattled all that off really fast. If you go to, if you download my keynote, which I think is in our drive, um, but if it's not, you can go to Jeff's, jeffskeynote.com. And I have a slide that shows that those statistics Um, kind of like where an agent's progression is when they come into the business. So what we found that was so fascinating after we've had over, and I'm going to show you guys our Google Analytics. I I talk a lot about what we've done, but I never prove it, Uh, rarely prove it. I always can. I just don't take the time to pull out Google Analytics. Today, I'm going to put on my glasses and we're going to dive into Google Analytics and have a good time there. But we've had over 4 million visitors to our website. A million of those visitors have come come in through pay-per-click, Google and Facebook ads. 100,000 people have registered on our site from Google ads and Facebook ads out of those million visitors. And out of the 100,000 people that have registered, 2,500 of those bought a house. So that's a 2.5% conversion ratio on internet leads that generated $17 million gross commission income to Omaha's elite over 10 years, of which I retained 50%. So everybody could do the math pretty quick on that. $8.5 million in gross commission income over 10 years, that's almost a million dollars a year gross. And then I was keeping around 20% net after overhead expenses, et cetera, off of internet leads. So I've had years where I've netted 300, 350. I've had years where I've only netted 100, 
but I've done a pretty great job at helping agents convert those internet leads. And that's, we'll talk a little bit today about internet leads, but I think our greatest success is not in requiring that the agent stays on the hamster wheel. And for us, the brokerage generated leads or the internet leads are a fancy hamster wheel that teaches agents how to overcome objections and gain the confidence necessary to progress. And as leaders, true leaders, we serve our followers by teaching them to become just like us, by enabling them to become just like us, creating commission structures that allow them to be just like us and providing them with the systems and resources to be just like us. We wouldn't want someone to go onto a hamster wheel and be stuck on it forever. And that's the same way as we lead in our coaching organization. We don't want you guys to be stuck unless you enjoy it. If you like running on the wheel, run on the wheel. But if you don't, create a plan over the next year, five years, 10 years that allows you to step off the wheel and focus on helping other people spin theirs so that they can eventually step off and help other people spin theirs. And so goes the evolution. And to me, there's no greater gift that you can give someone than teaching them how to build and, and expand their business so that they can bless the lives of others. And that's what creates the impact and influence. And it just keeps on going. So that was our mindset back in 2011. And here we are, flash forward to 2021, 10 years later. So we're going to dive into some screens here. Uh, the first screen is going to be our Boomtown dashboard. This is called a traffic dashboard inside of our CRM. Let's make sure I pulled these up an hour ago. I think we're good. Still refreshing again, but I think we're good. Kelly, you see that okay? Awesome. So inside of the traffic dashboard, it has an API in Boomtown with our Google Analytics page. I'm actually going to spend my time today in, in, in Google Analytics uh, just to show you where this data is coming from. But I'm going to quickly show you that at any point, anyone in our organization can jump into Boomtown, go under reporting, click on traffic dashboard, and they can go choose any date range. I'm locked up, so I'm not going to click on this, but it can show yesterday. It can show the last year. It could do comparisons. You can get all sorts of data. So I can see here just in the last month. I searched uh, the last month for my data. I've had 32,000 visitors to my website. I've had 50,000 total visitors, sorry, 32,000 I believe were uh, repeat visitors and it'll show this in Google Analytics. And then I had 18, uh, 814 registered leads. And then when you go down through source, it'll kind of give you the number of where each of those leads ended up coming from. Um, we total around 2,000 leads a month right now across all of our different lead um, buckets, if you will. So about a thousand of those leads are coming from internet leads that we pay for. 500 are coming on average from organic. And then another 500 are coming from expired, uh, withdrawn, canceled, and for sale by owner. And we have a virtual assistant that goes in and adds those to the database. So all the agents can work, all those leads. And then of course, there's a referral fee associated with most of the different lead sources. Um, this is the first screen and I just kind of picked the screens that I thought would give you guys the most value. So this is like when, once you're in Google analytics, it's just pretty simple to set up. It's free. Um, analytics is a Google product that connects to your website. So kwelite.com is currently connected to this analytics page. And then you can go in and you can pick your date range. Um, this first screen I'm pulling up is just the home screen, but one of the cool things is it shows active users. So at any point it'll show how many people are actively on your website. Um, if you've ever ran, you can buy a bot like Zopem is a bot I've used in the past that essentially pop up, pops up on your screen um, and you can use it to try to engage people while they're on the website. We ran that for a year and we found it freaked people out. So you got Sherry on the website looking at a house and the, the person that's working leads that day would be like, hey, Sherry, I see you're looking at 126 Main Street. Any questions? And they're like, bounce. 
They're like, this is super creepy. I'm out. So we stopped using a little pop-up. That was the reason why, but it's kind of neat to be able to go on at any given time and be able to see how many people are on the site. So right now we got six. Um, other analytics pages, this is called audience overview, and you can go down all these rabbit holes and sort this data in any way you want, but just for the sake of time and to keep this quick, I'm just kind of giving you guys a quick overview. So this is going back uh, just the last 30 days. My Google Analytics is showing here. We had 31,000 visits. Over the last 10 years, it's been about an equal split between new users, new visitors, and old visitors, meaning they're coming back for more than, they've been on the site at least once for a total of around 31,000. Um, this is over 50,000 page views just in the last 30 days. And then it shows how long on average they stay on the site, one minute and 30 seconds, which is pretty short. If you go into the groups, you'll actually find the re, uh, repeat visitors are gonna stay on much longer because they're typically coming back from a visit that they've done um, looking at a house. And so then when the system sends them another listing, they're coming to look at that listing. They spend about two and a half minutes. Another page will show that. But the point of all of this isn't so that you guys can see the numbers that we're getting. It's the fact that we know this and we've known this for a very long time. And the data has empowered us to know where we need to spend our money on leads, um, not just internet leads, but every lead source, even the leads that the agents are adding to the system. Uh, here's another page. This is the last uh, year of data going back to January 28, 2020, we've had, uh, what is it, 546,000 sessions. And again, you can see these are split about equal of new users and past users. Average time, again, we're still at about a minute 30. Bounce rate, that's the amount of time. If they go in and they leave right away, it says 70% of people leave right away. That's actually really good. 30% of people, 28% end up staying longer for a little bit. They look at two pages, that's about two listings. Uh, 870,000 page views in the last year. So pretty cool numbers there. Uh, this is an audience overview, and this is actually something keeping us honest. I wanted to show you a comparison chart. You can run this for any of the spreadsheets I'm showing you, but it's it's 12 months ago versus 24 months ago. So it's a, a total year snapshot two years ago versus this last 12 months. And so of course, with COVID and our low production, all of our numbers are down, but not by much. So it's pretty cool to say, okay, user engagement's down 7%, new users is down 6%, sessions is down 16%, number of sessions per user is down 10%. Nothing here is alarming and none of this is surprising. The only thing I've looked at that I thought was interesting is the average session duration uh, being down, you know, oh, I guess that's not what I was thinking it was, Never mind. Three seconds, it's down three seconds. I think we can live with that too. So nothing too alarming there. Uh, being able to go and compare two different segments though on one screen is really nice. Uh, this one again, audience overview, and I'm showing the last 10 years. So the numbers I was rallying out before of, oh, I've had this many visitors over the last 10 years. So 4,241,000 sessions, uh, 3 million four hundred, or sorry, 3,490, what is it, number of sessions per user. That's crazy. Um, new users, 1.6 million. Again, this is over 10 years. Average session duration over 10 years was three minutes and 27 seconds. Look at the bounce rate in 10 years, way lower, way more people stayed. And that's again, a lot of the people that are getting included in that are people that were already registered on the website. So they're not gonna bounce as often. And then the last one is the acquisition overview. So this one will actually show you the breakdown of where all the different leads are coming from as a percentage. 
So I searched on this one. I did what I do last, the last 12 months. So it shows, you know, 30% were from email, uh, 21% were paid. Red is other, that could be a lead an agent physically added. Direct is the same on that. Social, 8.4% came from social media. Organic was 8%. So then it kind of just breaks all of that data down as well for you. So those are some of the analytics we've been watching over the last 10 years. Um, we've grown our database to over 400,000 people. Uh, the thing that's pretty crazy is in Omaha, if you look up on Wikipedia, I think there's less than 180,000 residences. So our data, we have twice as many data points as there are physical places where people could live, and that includes apartment complexes. So what, you know, you think about like, it shows how many users are on right now. And I know people say this a lot with like the compounding effect when you invest in real estate, it's working, or real estate and stock, the stock market, it's working for you while you sleep. I think the same thing when you have a strong CRM and a strong website. All of what we've built is working for us. So we generate the leads, we teach the agents to generate the leads, we put them all into a system, and we'll get into this more next month when we talk about lead conversion best practices. But imagine a database, like I never would have dreamed of having 400,000 people, 100,000 that came from Google ads essentially, in a database that's talking to them via text and email through artificial intelligence and predictable analytics without any of our agents or myself having to do anything other than getting it set up on the front end. That's fascinating to be able to build a wheel that can generate that many people and be able to communicate with all of those people literally at the same time um, using technology. And then of course the leads start popping up and certain interactions create what we call on the boomtown now wall opportunities or hot leads, highlighted leads. And agents now know, oh, this person that registered nine years ago just looked at the, looked at the website twice in a 24 hour period, I should reach out to them. or they. We can see if they printed something. We can see if they posted something to their Facebook page. Um, there's all these little touch points that the system knows, Boomtown knows out of millions of closings, what the interaction is of the people they, that they're doing prior to going into uh, the pending category. So if someone goes into pending, the system can say, hey, what were those people doing as far as their searches were concerned 30 days prior to going into pending? And they can figure out all these touch points. So the reason I share the data and it gets a little, you know, I know I go in, I went a little analytical there for you guys, for those SCs, I hope you've enjoyed uh, what I showed you. But the data does empower you. And back to my point I was talking about earlier where we assume getting in the business that all leads are created equal. What we find if we track every lead source, not only our spend, but the amount of time we put into that lead source, we're gonna find all leads are not created equal. I would much rather work with my referral from my grandma who has a friend selling her $400,000 house than, an, than the 50 internet leads that I was just given from my broker that I'm gonna pay a 50% referral fee on. But the answer doesn't have to be one or the other. It's not an A or B. Why can't it be C? And so I try to express to my agents, I'm like, I understand that you're too good for the internet leads, but you only sold 10 houses last year. You're making $18,000 a year. You qualified for government assistance. You just got a $2,200 check because of COVID. You're not making very much money. Why not take the lead where you have to pay the 50% referral fee and still make something? And until they can produce leads on their own, they should be working your leads. That should be one quote you take away from this today. Until they're creating enough leads on their own to feed their family, feed, house, and clothe them, they should be taking the leads that you're generating for them. And from day one, and Andy and Clayton will attest to this because they've been with me for 10 years, we taught the agents how to generate their own leads. 
We taught them how to step off the hamster wheel, but it's been fascinating to watch how many people still don't, how many people still rely on the free lead. And it's not free, ladies and gentlemen. What are they paying in? They're paying in their time. They're paying in the 50, uh, they make 10 calls to all 50 of those leads and two text messages and two voicemails and all the follow-up and all these things, and then pay us a 50% referral fee. So as we think about lead generation, I think a big and important question that we should ask ourselves, and I'm wrapping up and then we'll open up for Q&A, is what direction do you guys want to go if you are still in production with your lead gen strategy? Is there gonna be a hybrid strategy where you have certain leads you're gonna pay for that are higher income producing, that are gonna take you less energy, and then buy different types of leads for the agents because you don't think they're gonna close as many, so you buy them lower quality leads? Um, is your goal to walk out of the sales altogether, just work your sphere possibly, and then buy leads for your agents? That's what I chose to do in 2011. I never worked internet leads. Uh, right out of the gate, I gave them all to my agents. I didn't even work buyers anymore. My focus was listings, and I turned all my buyer leads over to my agents at a 50-50 um, split, 50% referral fee on internet leads, 50% referral fee on buyer leads that I would assign to them. Um, and ultimately, it's just the question is, where do you wanna go? Once you know where you wanna go, then you have to ask yourself, what budget are you willing to spend in a 12-month period? Once you know what your budget's going to be, you need to decide where do you wanna deploy that budget? And Andy will get into that a little bit in his three sessions. But ultimately, we believe that if you're analytical about it, you should track where did 70% of your net income come over the last 12 months? And you should put 70% of your spend into the place where a majority of your business came from. And a lot of times people don't do that. They don't recognize that 70% of their income came from open houses, but they're putting 70% of their spend onto internet leads when really they should go be buying more open house signs and get more of their agents to work open houses and get more directionals and market their opens more often. It just depends on what each person's goal is. And so elite real estate systems isn't going to figure this out for you guys. We're gonna show you patterns that we've implemented in our business so that you can figure this out for yourself. And it really is not that hard. The hardest thing is being consistent with your tracking. Because if you're tracking what you've done, you can make better decisions of what you want to do. If you're coming into this cold turkey, you've never really had an effort of generating internet leads or sphere leads or cold prospecting leads. Over the next three weeks, Andy's going to show you the best strategies on how to engage your sphere of influence to get you the greatest return. The best strategies on how to make cold prospecting leads. A cold lead is someone that wouldn't know you. They're not part of your sphere and they're not an internet lead. So that's open houses, that's cold calls, that's door knocking, that's you know a lot of other strategies Andy's gonna get into. And then of course, the, th the third thing, which is internet leads. So I think that um, I talked in the past, I don't know if you guys have heard a lot about people talking about the independent model and the high, um, the interdependent model, and then the independent, the, sorry, the dependent model. P, uh, new agents want to work the dependent model. They're dependent upon your training, your accountability, your leads. When they start working a third, a third, and a third, they're in an independent model. And then when they go off and they're just working the sphere of influence, they're creating their own leads. That's an independent model. So my recommendation to everyone is you're planning out how you want your team to look over the next year or five years is to solve all three of those buckets with your commission plan, the leads you generate, the way you train people, the way you coach people, and the way you hold them accountable. Have your company essentially focus on the three types of people, independent, interdependent, and dependent. And so in our brokerage, we have a certified advisor program that was built for the dependent agent. So that's just like a real estate team. It's hands-on. We're, we're with them every day. We hold them accountable every week. We give them leads. We give them all the systems they need to be successful, but they don't make nearly as much money. It's a 50-50 split when they're brand new. 
Then once they graduated out of that, they become cappers and they're independent. Like most real estate brokerages, someone comes in, no one really pays attention to you. The resources they provide suck. You have to do everything on your own. They act like they offer value, but they don't. That's the traditional real estate brokerage in, in, in the uh, interdependent model. And then we now offer an option. Let's say Alyssa Herman wants to partner with us down in Texas. She can be an indie agent or broker attached to our market center in Omaha, Nebraska. That's an independent model. They have their own admin. They get their broker's license. They have their own leads, their own processes. Everything is on their end. And they just pay us $50,000 a year to be powered by KW Elite. So when we have recruiting meetings, people choose which three rabbit holes do you want to go down? And the thing that is so fascinating, it gets me so excited is that if they are brand new, but they're business minded, they're, they're aggressive, they want to build, they want to conquer the world. We have a plan for them. The challenge I see with a lot of your teams and a lot of the teams we've coached in the past is that you're built for the dependent agent. That agent is going to want to get off the hamster wheel at some point and be just like you. You have to build a mousetrap that allows them to become just like you. And if you don't, they'll leave you. So you have to always be leveling up as a leader. You have to always be leveling up in the products you provide, the service you provide, the value you provide so that they can stay inside your organization and realize their dreams. And you should be a big enough leader that when you recognize that they're moving faster than you, you're okay letting them go. And I think that's really hard for people to see. Um, I just did a great podcast with Josh Cunningham with Rockerbox last week. It should air in a couple of weeks from now. Uh, we referenced the book, The Dream Manager, which talks about a business that's literally built to be a stepping stone for people to realize their dreams with the understanding that they're going to eventually leave you. I didn't want to build a real estate company like that. And I know most of you don't either. You don't want to train someone to be like you for five years and then they leave to compete against you. So build a world that allows them to not have to leave to compete against you, but be able to work with you to compete against everybody else. And really our greatest competition is just ourselves. So with that, you guys, you were awesome and attentive. Uh, we covered a lot there. I'm going to open up the rest of the time until 15 minutes after the hour for any questions on any topic. There's no rules in this session. Anything you guys want to talk about, I'll be here. Otherwise, really appreciate you coming on today and be sure not to miss out the next three weeks. Um, Andy, do you know your progression for the next three weeks topics? It, just in case someone doesn't want to go to all three. Yes, it is going to be sphere of influence, prospecting, and then internet lead gen. Awesome. So starting off with sphere of influence, best strategies to engage your sphere, and then the cold prospecting strategies and then internet lead generation. And he'll show you exactly what we've done and what we train our agents to do. And for all of those high D team leaders who haven't gone to a single agent training with Clayton, we are teaching your agents, unbeknownst to you possibly, how to do all of those things as well. So that is what our Monday trainings are. It's the topical training around how to engage your sphere, how to generate internet leads, how to engage social media. And then of course, Wednesday dialogue on how to overcome all the objections that come along with all of those different activities. So our vision, as far as our plan as elite real estate systems is to be your training arm. So you don't have to hire a trainer that can cost you $60,000 a year. So for $500 a month or a thousand dollars a month, you're getting a trainer built into your company two days a week for your agents, a trainer built in for you. And now an investor trainer. And for an extra hundred bucks a month per agent, we'll even help you hold your agents accountable and we'll hold you accountable. So I don't know if that everyone knows that that's an option to pay that extra hundred bucks, but if someone is interested in that, you can reach out to Clayton and he can help get you guys set up on that. All right, we had a hand, Amanda. Let's kick it off. And then who's on deck for the second question? Bueller, 
Jeremy Briggs. Thank you. All right, Amanda, you're up. All right. So when you created your team, did you uh, like elite real estate systems? Did you um, brand your team or yourself? And the reason why I asked is my first year I branded my team and I didn't hear a peep from anyone about seeing it because they didn't attach me to it. But this year I put my big mug on things, which is a little uncomfortable. But I, I even heard from like the hygienist. Amanda, about, I just want to know where you put your mug. <laughs> Will you tell us? Billboards. Yes. Facebook ads. Yes. My car. That's great. All right. So <laughs> the cone team became one of the top teams in Omaha. And my family has been is well known. My parents have been in the business a long time. And then I joined them and it exploded. Uh, when we launched Omaha's Elite Real Estate Group, which was the tagline of the Cone Team, everybody knew that was Jeff Cone's team. So it wasn't new, like that. And I, agree, I think that's a really great point you're making um, when you do choose an arbitrary name that nobody associates and having your name attached to it gives it a little bit more credibility. I have no problem with people using their names. Obviously, a lot of businesses have been built using names. That's fine. I have a problem with if you use your name, you thinking that you have to be the one to go on all the appointments and take all the leads. Let it be the name of your family. That doesn't necessarily mean they need Amanda Hodge. They just are plugging into Amanda Hodge's company, her systems, her amazing agents, all the things that you can provide. Thank you. Yeah, good question. And I know a lot of us are in that exact situation. So it's fine keeping your name. And I wouldn't change it at this point if you've already come out of the gate with a, your name associated with it. Just make sure that you don't think psychologically that that means you have to be the one servicing all the leads that could potentially come in. All right, uh, who was second in line there? Bill, was it Bill? No. Who's up? Show of hands. I think I have the second to the next one. All right, perfect, go ahead. And then someone else had a hand that popped in Victor. It sucks when someone leaves, all the squares change. So I feel like I'm playing memory, like, oh crap, where'd it go? I wish there was a way you could set it to when people would leave that they just went blank. Let's look at that, Dana. See if you can contact Zoom and have that updated, please. All right, go ahead. Okay, yeah, so th this time of year, it seems like you get a lot of people looking to sell their house, but they don't want to sell till the spring or the summer. And when you first, you know, I met with someone last night, they're super excited. They uh, liked all the things I had to say. But I know as you kind of a few months go on, the excitement starts to fade and they start, you know, they might look at someone else or do you have a way that you, you lock in those leads, those sellers that have talked with you, they met with you, they want to list with you, but you know, it's not going to be for three to six months. And, yeah. um, you know, I'll, an I'll answer it really quickly, but Andy's going to get into this in our lead conversion, best strategies in March. Uh, we have a process for communication for every lead source. So it doesn't matter what, what lead source someone comes from, it's all based on their time frame because people are people are people. So if they come from your sphere or a cold prospecting lead or an internet lead and you've talked to them, you've taken them through LP Mama, you shared a presentation, buyer or seller presentation, and they've said they are ready now, they're ready in three months, they're ready in six months, or they're more than a year out, we have four different categories we put the lead into. If somebody was in that category, you said what? Three months out, six months out? Let's say three to six months. That's gonna be our nurture category. And nurture is going to get a phone call every two weeks or a text message every two weeks. If they're in watch, which is six months to a year, they're gonna get a phone call or a text message every month. 
And so that constant communication is going to show them that you care more than just the transaction. You care about the relationship. And every time you call, you're asking for referrals. And every time you meet someone, you're asking for referrals if you're servicing leads. And when the deal closes, you're asking for referrals. It's like, when's the best time to ask an agent who else might want to join your team? The day they join your team, you're asking them who else wants to join your team. And I'll actually share this. I was a Mormon missionary um, from 2000 to 2002 in Brazil. Learned fluent Portuguese. I now speak a little bit of Spanish. And they taught us, and I now use this in business, but they would teach us when someone would join the church, the organization, the best time to find other people to teach about our church is to ask that person that just joined our church, hey, do you know anyone else that would like this message? It's the exact same thing with everything. The person that just experienced the value you offer is the best person to ask who else would like to experience this. And what's interesting is we need to train our agents to stop looking at leads like a dollar sign because of their transaction, but look at them like a dollar sign because of the seven referrals they can refer to you every year for the next 30 years and refer to your organization. It doesn't have to be necessarily refer to you. So change the dichotomy of how you think of a lead even the very question you asked, what if your question, Jeremy, was, hey, this person said they're going to list. I'm not even really confident they're going to. What's the best way to get referrals from them over the course of the next six months while I stay in touch with them? That's the way we should be thinking. And then if they do end up using your services, great. The people that do use your service are the best people because now they know what, what value you provide and they're willing to get you know go out on a limb for you and tell people to use you. We take for granted that people don't know the difference between Juan and Greg, between Joe and Sam. Like the consumer just says, oh, it's a real estate agent. I'm a real estate agent on probation, <laughs> but I'm a real estate agent. So yeah, I'm an agent. Am I the same as the brand new person that just got the real estate license that says, I'm a real estate agent? Obviously it's a world of difference. The consumer doesn't know the difference. That's why we have to share a presentation with them and they'll use us for life and they'll refer us for life if they believe the value you offer is better than the value that everybody else offers. So easy answer, constant communication, show them you care. It's not that hard to stay in touch. If you had 50 people that said they're listing in the next six months, that's 50 calls every two weeks, 25 calls a week. On Mojo Dialer, you can make 25 dials in 15 minutes and then send a text message, create a pre-recorded voicemail. Forever, you could have a pre-recorded voicemail. Hey, it's Jeremy, just touching base. Hope everything's going well. When you guys are ready to move forward, give me a holler. You can text me anytime as well doesn't have to say their name and then you can drop that. So that's working smarter, not harder. All right. That was a long answer. Sorry. I'll keep them shorter. Victor, I think I saw you pop a hand for a minute. What, what do you want to talk about? All right. So my question, so how did you handle the listing leads? So if you give somebody a buyer lead and they have a home that they have to sell and you as a team leader, um, how did you handle that? Did you let the agents work that? So, yeah, it's a really good question. I get this question a lot. Gary Keller's book, MREA, Millionaire Real Estate Agent, would talk about having roles that people specialized in. So buyers agents just worked buyers, listing agents just worked sellers, showing assistants just showed houses. I actually think every agent should be taught how to work both sides and should service both sides. You might have a requirement that they have to do X amount of buy sides before they're listing certified or X amount of luxury homes before they're luxury certified or X amount of commercial sales before they're commercial certified. But again, true leaders serve their followers by empowering them and giving them the ability to be just like them. I found it was a big dysfunction to require the buyer's agents to only work buyers when there were listing opportunities. Why not let them work both if they're trained the right way? 
So my first two years, every buyer lead I got, I gave to the team, but every listing lead they got, they had to give to me, but I would pay them a 50% referral fee. I'd pay every brand new agent a 50% referral fee, and then they paid me a 50% referral fee. Today, every agent can work both sides of the business. So everyone that, if we generate a buyer lead that needs to list, they can work both sides. Um, if it's an internet lead, we do charge a 50% referral fee on the first buy and or the first sell in a 12 month period. So if somebody comes in, they buy a house and they sell a house in less than 12 months, we're gonna take 50% off both of those. The second buy and or second sell and all future buys and sells, it's part of the agent's sphere of influence. And that's another reason we argue with the agent to work the internet leads, especially for their first 12 months, is it ends up building their sphere of influence. And Andy and Clayton will both attest that if they look back at all their sales, even though now it shows sphere of influence when they have sales, a lot of those have originated at some point that was an internet lead that then turned into a referral from the internet lead that then turned into their sphere. So we've, we've kind of looked at that and tracked that. And I would say, um, and I would say, I know that 50% of the sales we've had in the last 10 years, we've, we've sold 5,000 doors. Um, 2,500 of those were internet leads. And the other 2,500 of those are sphere of influence and cold prospecting. And a majority are going to be sphere. I bet it's 10% cold prospecting, 40% sphere, 50% internet lead, which is pretty interesting. A lot of the teams we'd visit when I was out visiting hundreds of teams, uh, they would all focus on one. And everyone, you know, they're either a sphere team, a cold prospecting lead team, or an internet lead team. And back to my whole, it doesn't have to be A or B, why can't it be C? Same thing here. It doesn't have to be A, B, or C. Why can't it be D, which is all of the above? Work hard, uh, work smarter, not harder, and figure out for each agent and yourself where your or their highest income producing activity is, and not just by guessing, but by tracking. And then when you set them off for the next 12 months, make sure they're putting their time and energy into the activity where they're going to get the greatest return on investment, if, even if it's not going to make you the most amount of money. Because if you do that, then they're going to realize their dreams that are on their vision boards, and they're going to stay with you forever. Don't worry about it making you money. If you're doing what's right and helping take care of people, the money will come to you. All right, great question, Victor. Hopefully that was the answer uh, you needed. Who else? And I'm not watching chat, Clayton, so if there is anything, just raise your hand. Go ahead, Bill. Hey, Jeff, thanks for the topic. Um, totally off topic. Uh, you know, we're trying to really indulge into CISU and the metrics around the uh, conversations versus the appointment setting. And I'm wondering, it seems a little fumbly to me. I wanted to know if you uh, or your guys knew exactly how you'll hand. You know, the, for us, we were just setting the appointment um, and logging that and keeping it in an uh, Excel sheet. But now when you set the appointment on CISU, they want you to log a name, even a transaction. Seems a little backwards. You don't even you haven't even had an appointment with the person, but yet they want a transaction to connect to it. So can you yeah. give me a little bit of uh, you know feedback on how you guys handled it? So we started off with Excel in 2011. Um, Kevin and I worked diligently to make Excel everything we needed, and we created um, a sync with Google Forms and Gecko boards. In 2018, uh, we were offered to be owners in Sisu. And we helped with the development of CSU. We have hundreds of hours into the development of the software. But interestingly enough, in 2021, when we launched the brokerage, we've actually decided to leave CSU and we went back to just doing it all of ourselves inside of Excel. I think CSU's great for 99% of the people in our coaching organization and agents that we talk to and listen to me on the podcast. But if you want like extreme control, and be able to move your ship in 24 hours and not wait three months, um, you have to build it yourself. So 
that my guess is bill if you've put enough time into it it will do everything you're needing it to do um for us it was becoming too cumbersome we were doing a lot of double entry but now they've recently launched an api with most of the top crms including boomtown so anything any function you update in boomtown it should automatically add it to sisu so to your point you know just an appointment or a phone call or whatever you put it into boomtown that should take care of creating that one person so my guess is a 30 minute call with kyle or who is it andy over there not kyle do you remember they'll have somebody in their dev team that would be able to help you guys out any if anyone else wants to answer that cc question feel free to jump on that um we don't have to be the only ones kind of giving you our opinions the thing is, if you don't have Excel and you haven't built a Gecko board and you don't know how to do that, Sisu is much easier and less expensive. They've taken care of all of it for you. And a lot of what they've built, probably over half of the content came from research and development they did with our team and our Excel spreadsheet. So you're getting what we have on steroids and it's a lot easier to use their system than try to go and build an Excel spreadsheet out. But because we had Kevin, who's an amazing operator, and now we have an amazing admin staff that knows how to use Excel as well. We went back old school so that we had a little bit more control for our expansion teams. Cause it was my vision that we would have a gecko board essentially for every team across America. And then one main board that everybody could look at to see all the total sales that come together. And you can do the same thing on CISO as well, but there's reasons that we chose to bring that in house. All right. What other questions? Jeff Frank posted a question. Uh, talk about our top three lead sources that we're utilizing. Yeah, sphere of influence, internet leads, and cold prospecting. Sorry, let me be more specific. Talk about our top three internet lead I, sources. I'm not going to steal Andy's thunder. You're going to have to come back for that information. We're getting into that in the next three weeks. So Andy's going to take you through all the top sphere engagement, all the top cold, top cold prospecting engagement, and all the top internet lead. But if you were there in the beginning, for the Google Analytics overview, you would have seen um, Google Ads is number one for us, Craigslist, um, organic, uh, social media, Facebook, both organic and paid. And those are gonna be the top internet lead sources. All right, what else? We got about another 10 minutes. Greg has his virtual hand raised. Yeah, hi, hi Jeff. Um, as a SC, I appreciated this call. Um, your conversion rate's about double what my office is, so I'm going to be working on that. But my question, um, I'm kind of curious, for your Boomtown online leads, do you generate a lot of, like, low inventory kind of everywhere? Do you generate a lot of selling leads off of that just by, you know, really good question. asking the question? Really good question. So two things. Um, first, in regards to closing ratios, I can't tell you guys how often I've heard agents, team leaders, and coaches thought leaders in the industry talk about 10, 15, and 20% conversion ratios. That does not exist. Anyone that ever tells me that they have done better than us, which we're at 2.5%, my follow-up always is, that's fascinating. Could you show me the data? Just go ahead and export a CSV folder for me. I'd like to see how you track it. And if you dig, what you come to find out was, it's based on, oh, we got a hold of the lead. They said they're interested. And then that becomes a lead. But if it was just a name, when I tell you 100,000 leads turned into 2,500 sides, that's every person that registered, even the FUs, no thank yous. It includes every lead, even all the bad content. So it, we're actually probably a three or 4%, but it's just interesting to me when people try to say they're a certain percentage. So your 1.25-ish 
is actually the industry average, 1%. And one of the biggest challenges we see, and Andy will get into this with uh, lead conversion as well, is that people are giving people too many leads. So they think that the leads is why people are at their company. So they keep pouring all the leads in. And what they come to find is if you're doing all of the best lead conversion strategies, you only have so much time you're going to dedicate to that. And so the number we found, if you're buying cold leads like Google ads and Facebook ads and Craigslist leads is around 30 leads per month per agent will be the point of diminishing returns. So if you give someone 30 leads, we expect a 3% conversion ratio, one out of 30. We're giving 50 leads and telling them our expectation is a 2% conversion ratio. So what happens? I give someone 30 or I give someone 50. They're going to actually do, this is what's fascinating. They're going to make the exact same amount of net phone calls, send the same net text messages, send the same net emails. So instead of everyone, if you gave them 30, getting their 10 calls, when you give them 60, they're going to get five calls and the results will be the exact same. So who loses? You lose because of the cost of the lead acquisition, but we don't lose because we don't pay for the leads. They're getting paid for it through our third party. So what's our dysfunction when you look into this as an SC? We don't have enough agents to work the leads. And that's still the case today. We have 120 agents now at our brokerage. We've grown 500% in 12 months. Still don't have enough agents to work the leads. What a great problem to have. We always thought our problem would be not enough internet leads. Nope, that's not a problem. You just gotta pay more money for internet leads. That's easy. And I haven't said today, and it will steal a little of Andy's thunder, which always makes me happy. Uh, we pay $500 for a converted lead that makes a 6,000. That's a 6X return. And those have been our numbers for 10 years. And that works across the country. That's not just a, that's in Omaha. That only works in Omaha. Omaha? Are you kidding me right now? I live in Omaha. We sold 1,100 houses last year in Omaha. If we can do that here, you guys should be able to do that in your markets. All right, Greg. And then the second part was the seller leads. Um, I'll be honest, I have not figured it out for seller leads on the internet lead side. Um, seller leads or sphere, sphere of influence engagement is gonna be your best way to find seller opportunities based on word of mouth. Referrals from your sphere is where your seller leads are gonna come from. Of course, with all these internet leads we've converted, some have chosen to sell with us, uh, but most of the buyers I feel like we've picked up, they don't have homes to sell. They're relocating or they're renting, getting into a permanent. But Andy, will you speak to that too? I'd love to hear your opinion. I feel like probably 15% have a house to sell would be my guess. Yeah, you're about right. It's 15%. It just all depends. We have never needed to, because we've had plenty of agents or a lot, a high number of agents to work them. You can be a little, little bit more specific, but we're typically taking all types of price points. For, you're really going to be able to generate um, more seller leads if A, you're using the seller lead suite or that's within Boomtown, or B, if you're using Craigslist, you can control the price point to which your leads are being generated. And then obviously you'd want to do a price point that is about 10 to 20% higher than your market's average. That way people are going to be first time home sellers and on and on and on and on. <laughs> so we will dive deep into that in the next couple of weeks, but absolutely. There are ways with internet, internet lead gen to still uh, try to generate seller leads as well by just going through the buyer lead process. Can I give you a Sure. One of the best questions that we're, we've been training our agents over the last year is always ask them what type of mortgage they have. doesn't matter if it's a buyer, it's a seller, where they come from, how old they are, whether they're first timer, you'll always get all the information you need mm. in their answer. It, it's, it's unarming, you know, to ask somebody if they rent or, or if they own, that's a, that's a very alarming question. But if you ask them what type of mortgage they have. It answers the question. Yep. yep. Yeah. And that's one of the M's on LP mama mortgage. So that's an easy way to remember it. What kind of loan do you have? What kind of mortgage do you have? 
I like that, Bill. I've never heard of that before. Great recommendation. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, do we want to do one more question before we close this thing out? It doesn't have to be fascinating. What's the last question that someone wanted to ask, but they didn't, and they were waiting for an awkward lull, and now here we are in the lull. We're in it. Dana, insert cricket sound. Oh, Sam saved us. All right, Sam. Do you have a limit on the number of new agents you take in at once? If, if they match, obviously they have to match what you're looking to build, but uh, do you have a, a cap on that? No, no, we have no defined cap. I would say, you know, you don't want to set someone up for failure. You certainly don't want to be the team that takes, has the perception that they take anyone. And then the story becomes, oh, don't join, join Sam's team because I heard so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so were on there for three months and nothing worked and there was no support. And so you want to grow slow enough that you're actually going to accomplish what you want to accomplish with each of your recruits, but don't grow so slow that you can't grow. So you're just going to have to figure that out in your market for what your goals are. And we'll talk about that in the month that we cover recruiting and what that looks like. But it's a funny timing because we just onboarded a team of 20 people two weeks ago. We have another team of 20 people that just joined our brokerage that's getting onboarded next week. And we have pumped the brakes where we want to get to 200 agents by the end of this year. But we're pumping brakes, telling people we literally told an agent that does 10 million a year yesterday. She signed all of her paperwork, but we told her she couldn't join our office for three weeks because we don't have the staff to onboard her and we wanna make sure she has a good experience. So very good question that is applicable to everyone. Same question goes to with internet leads. So we'll close on this. You know, Should you buy $10,000 worth, $5,000 worth? It goes back to the answer I gave you guys earlier. Just my thought would be, you need to have enough leads that you can feed the agents that wanna work the leads the way you train them to work the leads. Not just one phone call and a voicemail and they're done, but they're gonna follow all the lead gen uh, best practices, lead conversion best practices. And I, I believe that number is going to be around 30 leads per month per agent. If you're generating Google ad leads, Facebook ad leads, Craigslist leads, pay-per-click stuff. If you're into Zillow or you're on rate group or you're working your relocation stuff, those are going to convert much higher. You should charge more for those. We charge 50% for the really bad leads. I charge 75% referral fees on my personal leads. So I go on a listing press for one hour um, with my listing agent. We get the contract signed and I have my, that agent that then takes it and does all the work pays me a 75% referral fee. I've even had an agent, I sold two luxury homes last year and I paid one of our top admin, who's an agent as well, $50 an hour, no referral fee. She just got 50 bucks an hour. And it ended up being, I, I had one that I, I made 144 grand on one and ended up paying her like a couple thousand dollars to, to do all of the dot the I's and cross the T's. So the, the money should flow to the person who creates the lead, ending on this topic. That is the lifeblood of everyone's business. The lead gen and lead conversion is going to be the differentiating factor on if your team's going to grow or if it's not going to grow. So you have to double leads to have double sales. You have to double your efforts with lead conversion, again, to double your sales. So if you want to grow, you get agents, you train them on best practices, you hold them accountable to those best practices, you teach them where to generate their leads, how to spend their time. You give them leads and that, that process just keeps cycling. And over time, you'll find the weak points, you'll find your pain points and you'll find your bottlenecks and you'll break through those. You'll fail forward and your team will slowly grow. Um, if you're not cognizant of that and you're not focused on where the weak points are and what this functions are, you'll keep doing exactly what you've been doing. And if you're good with that, then congratulations. But I'm guessing you're not paying for coaching to do exactly what you did last year because you wouldn't need us probably to do that. 
you're paying for coaching because you want to grow exponentially over time. And that's what we want to see for you as well. So with that, don't miss out on next Thursday's high level team leader coaching. We're going to be diving into sphere of influence. So looking forward to having you guys on the call next week and really appreciate you being on the call with us today. Have a great weekend. Be safe until next time. Yeah, 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 yeah.